Get ready for Texas Wine Month with the 2022 Texas Wine Month Passport. This self-guided tour is your passport to tasting award-winning wines at over 40 unique wineries. As a passport holder, you can visit up to four wineries per day, all at your own pace, plus receive exclusive discounts on bottle purchases. Plan ahead and buy your tickets while they are still available at TexasWineTrail.com and head for the hills. Texas Wine Month is from October 1st through October 31st. Hey, podcast listeners. Now it's easier than ever to support local producers and to get the best Texas wine shipped right to your doorstep. Somley features many of the highest quality, small production Texas wines you won't find in retail. We all have that friend or family member who's impossible to shop for. Somley is your easy button. Check it out for yourself. Sign up, discover, and shop local today at Somley.com. Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 49. Today we're talking about the 2022 harvest across the state of Texas, and I'm giving a 10-minute overview of Texas wine. In 2020, one of my very first podcasts was a Texas Wine in 10 Minutes episode, but a lot has happened since then, and I wanted to release a new version with some updated information for this year. Whether you're a regular listener or joining in for the first time, welcome to This is Texas Wine. Well, the 2022 harvest is mostly in at this point, and what an interesting year it has been. The good news is that the fruit quality looks excellent, and because of drought conditions across much of the state, berries are relatively small, and that means more concentrated wines. Unfortunately, there's not quite as much fruit as most wineries would like to have, and one reason for that is the strong winds that happened during flowering in the spring. I've been hearing wineries say that they brought in only about 50% of their spring estimates. W. Blake Gray wrote an article on winesearcher.com called Texas Winemakers Take What They Can Get. Growers in Texas admit they aren't sure how this year's harvest will pan out. He writes that there's a big disconnect in Texas between wineries and vineyards that is causing the year to be especially challenging. And he says that the disconnect is because the wineries are often in the hill country and the growers are primarily in the high plains. And he says that with multiple wineries asking the same vineyards for the same grapes, wineries are going to end up making a lot of red blends, which he says is probably the most popular style of wine in the state. But the wineries don't know yet exactly what they'll be blending. Maybe it's Tempranillo or maybe it's Chasselle. Ron Yates is quoted in the article and he says, this is a year where people are saying, if you can find fruit, buy it. We have to make do with what we have. The author says that in California, even during an era of climate change, that grape availability has stayed fairly consistent and that the situation in Texas reminds him of Bordeaux decades ago, when wineries might have a good vintage only once every few years. He says he wonders how wineries sell wine and that it's hard for critics to recommend a Texas wine because of the uncertainty. He says that he was going to tout the Duke Montrebiano, but then he learned that nobody will be able to buy it for years. And he liked some of the red blends that he tried, 
but he says they might be different red blends by the time you would be able to find them. Dr. Bob Young, owner of Bending Branch Winery, stood up for Texas by saying, Texas consumers are incredibly flexible and open-minded. They like to come in and taste the wines. If they like the wines, it doesn't matter if it's a Sousao or Cabernet, they'll buy it. So many Texas winemakers have a lot to say about the 2022 harvest. Although bud break happened a few weeks later than usual, harvest is happening a bit early for many. And that's because the summer was so scorchingly hot. Sergio Quadra of Fall Creek Vineyards says that grapes matured very quickly because temperature degree days were considerably warmer. The summer and the growing season as a whole have been warmer than usual. He says that every month, starting with bud break in April, has been warmer than every month in previous years since 2014. Seth Urbanic at Wedding Oak says that their yield is down because strong spring winds blew the flowers off of the grapevines. He says those self-pollinating flowers are really delicate and susceptible to adverse weather. While we have healthy vines and canopy, we have less fruit. Sergio Quadra also notes that some vines in the hill country are still recovering from last year's freeze, and that also impacts vineyard loads. Susan Johnson of Texas Heritage Vineyards says that in the hill country, yields are down about 20 to 30 percent from previous years, and in the high plains, they're receiving about 50 percent less fruit per acre from their growers. Well, here's the exceptionally good news. These are the words and phrases that these winemakers have used when describing their 2022 fruit. Phenomenal, above average, really good quality, amazing quality, insanely incredible, going to make fantastic wine, stellar quality, very good quality, excellent quality, beautiful. Seth Urbanic says one big advantage to the fast ripening and the low rainfall in 2022 is that he's seeing better acid retention and less potassium across grape varietals. And he says that ensures the wines will have the brightness that we love. Ron Yates even says that he thinks this will be one of the best vintages in recent history, and the wines may even be better than the wines made in 2017. And that's saying something. Another interesting note about the timing of this year's harvest, usually harvest is done in the hill country before the high plains gets rolling, so wineries can kind of space out when they receive their fruit, but not so this year. Many wineries are working double time as fruit comes in from the high plains and from the hill country at the same time. Seth says they're picking in both locations now for wedding oak, and that's a first. The guys from Lewis Wines have been working hard bringing in fruit and making the drives all across Texas, and here's what they wrote on Instagram. The typical 17-hour days and thousands of miles on the road give us a little time to reflect on this vintage and how much vintage variation we get here in Texas. While we realize that's farming everywhere, growing grapes and making wine in Texas is a front-row seat on a wild ride, maybe the wildest. They mentioned the differences in harvesting par vineyards from 2021 when harvest was the third week in September and the temperature was about 48 when they started harvesting and it was barely in the 70s when they finished. This year in 2022, harvest happened on August 12th and the temperature started at 72 degrees and I'm sure went up into the 90s, if not higher. They point out that rainfall in between the two years was wildly different too. In 2021, they had botrytis on the Chenin Blanc from the Phillips Vineyard. 
in 2022, the fruit was harvested four weeks earlier and definitely no botrytis in these hot, dry conditions. A huge cheers to all of you growing grapes and making wine right now. And thanks to Matt McGinnis of Big Thirst for collecting many of these helpful harvest reports that I've included here. Finally, I want to tell you what I've been up to. I've been working on creating an all-Texas wine list. I've selected 22 Texas wines that will be available for sampling or for glass and bottle purchases. I'm very excited about these selections, and I hope that you'll come check them out if you're in Dallas this fall. The wines are going to be available at the Texas Wine Garden at the State Fair of Texas. It runs September 30th to October 23rd this year in Dallas at Fair Park. And it's been my pleasure to help develop this wine list. You may or may not know that the State Fair is a major supporter of Texas agriculture and Texas wine. And while the State Fair is only open for 24 days a year, the reach is enormous. There are over 2 million attendees that visit the State Fair each year, and they spend an awful lot of money there at the State Fair and beyond the gates of the fair, too. If you're wondering how this wine list was created, I'll give you a bit of information on the process. The fair wanted to include wines on the list that are red, white, rosé, and sparkling, and they wanted both dry and sweet wines. And of course, I wanted to provide a good variety of wine styles. And I had a price limit that I had to keep in mind as well. I got in touch with some distributors that I know, and then I asked some wineries that I know are in distribution to put me in touch with their distributors. But I also wanted to get a few smaller wineries that aren't in distribution into the mix. I asked Amy Nemec, and she suggested a number of wineries that fell into this category. I also consulted John Harvey from HEB and Tomball and asked about some of the wines that he likes and that sell well in his store so that I could consider those as well. The final wine list includes 22 wines from 15 wineries, and there are five white wines, five rosés, seven reds, and five sparkling wines. There are also two canned wines, and this is the first time that canned wines have been offered at the fair, to my knowledge. Six of the wines are what I would consider small production wines, with production under 250 cases for each of those. And those would more than likely be difficult to find without visiting the wineries or ordering online. The grapes for these 22 wines were grown in vineyards across the state, and several of the wines have a single vineyard designation. Roughly half of the wines are blends of multiple grape varieties, and half are single varietal wines. So I hope that there is something for everyone on the wine list at the Texas Wine Garden. So make plans to attend the fair. And let me know what you think of my choices. And if some Dallas-area Texas wine lovers are listening, let's meet up at the State Fair for a tasting. One small caveat, quantities of some of these wines are limited. So if there's something that you really want to try, you should visit early. The full wine list is available on social media, or you can email me and I will send you a copy. I'm also excited that the fair is going to published several articles that I wrote about Texas wine and how to get the most out of the wine list. One of the articles suggests different flights that you could put together for a little educational exercise, and another shows the geographic span of the vineyards where the wines were grown. So keep an eye out for those at bigtex.com under Big Tech's blog, and I'll also post them on my social media channels when they're available. I'll also be writing more about the experience 
for an article on Texas Wine Lover website later in September. And that's the Texas Wine News. Today I'm updating a popular podcast episode that was first released in 2020. My goal for this segment is to give you an overview of Texas wine in about 10 minutes. So let's go. The first vineyard in Texas was planted in 1668 in what is now El Paso by Spanish missionaries. There were a few dozen wineries in Texas by 1920, but then the industry was basically shuttered by prohibition from 1920 to 1933. Texas still has some antiquated blue laws on the books even today. Only one winery survived prohibition, and that's Valverde Winery, founded in 1883. It had a pass to make sacramental wine during Prohibition, and it's still operating today in Del Rio. After Prohibition, it took a long time for the wine industry to get going again. The modern Texas wine industry took off in the 1970s. Three pioneering families started planting grapes in different areas of Texas. Paul and Merrill Bonarigo of Messina Hoff Winery planted near Bryan, Texas. Ed and Susan Aller of Fall Creek Vineyards planted in the Texas Hill Country. And Doc McPherson and fellow Texas Tech professor Robert Reed planted grapes in Lubbock. They were among the founders of Llano Estacado Winery in 1976. Now Texas is the fifth largest wine-producing state and has well over 500 wineries. There are eight AVAs, or American Viticultural Areas, which are distinct growing areas in the state. The Texas High Plains AVA is where about 80% of the grapes in Texas are grown. It's in the northwest part of the state, near the college town of Lubbock. The plains are flat, but they are indeed high. The vineyards sit at about 3,300 to 4,000 feet on well-drained clay loam and sandy loam soil, and there's a big diurnal shift there. That means that there's a big temperature difference from day to night, and the cool nights help preserve the grape's acidity. Many of the grape growers in this area are generational farmers of other crops and have diversified into planting grapes. The biggest challenges here are freezing temperatures, usually in the late spring after bud break, but possible in the fall too. And hail is an issue as well. Irrigation is a must. Since this area is also a huge cotton patch, grape growers here face challenges from cotton farmers' use of the herbicide dicamba, which damages grapevines. Several dozen grape growers are currently involved in a lawsuit to sue Bayer and Monsanto, makers of dicamba. Next is the Texas Hill Country AVA. It's located in the center of the state, north of San Antonio and west of Austin. It's the largest AVA in Texas and the third largest AVA in the country. The vineyards here are generally smaller in acreage than those in the Texas High Plains. They sit on a variety of soil types, including limestone, granite, and clay. Pierce's disease is a bigger problem here than in the High Plains. These vineyards are also at a much lower elevation, and the warmer temperatures put its growing season ahead by a few weeks compared to the High Plains in typical years. Within the Hill Country AVA, you'll find two sub-AVAs that are nestled inside the larger AVA. These are the Bell Mountain AVA, which is the oldest in the state, and Fredericksburg AVA. There are efforts to create at least two more nested AVAs within the Texas Hill Country AVA. The other AVAs are Escondido Valley, located in far west Texas near Fort Stockton, Texoma, along the Texas-Oklahoma border, 
the Texas Davis Mountains AVA. They're one to watch. It's far out in the desert of West Texas near Marfa, and it's the highest elevation AVA in the state. The vineyards there are around 5,500 feet of elevation, and it's also the coolest AVA in the state. It's also got the only volcanic soil in Texas. There's new investment in this area from established vineyard owners and winemakers in Texas. And finally, Mesilla Valley AVA, that's in the far western tip of Texas near El Paso, and this AVA is shared with New Mexico. There are also many fine vineyards and wineries that are outside of these AVAs. Early on, Texas consumers only wanted the international varieties that they were drinking from California, so that's what Texas grape growers planted. Now many of these early plantings are being changed over to more of the grape varieties that thrive in warmer climates, especially those of the Mediterranean regions in southern France, Portugal, Spain, and Italy. Texas grows a very wide variety of grapes and has around 6,000 acres of bearable grapevines. As of 2020, the most planted red grapes are Cabernet Sauvignon, Tempranillo, Merlot, Morvedra, and Sangiovese. And the most planted white grapes are Blanc de Bois, Viognier, Muscat Canelli, and Chardonnay. Production is about 70% red wines and 30% white wines. Hybrid varieties like Blanc de Bois and Black Spanish, also known as Lenoir, are popular, especially in the southeastern part of the state, where humidity makes Pierce's disease a persistent problem. Since Texas is even bigger than France, there are so many different sites that growers are still figuring out what grows best where and what makes the best wine. There are world-class examples of red and white wines made from single varieties. There are also exquisite blends, sweet wines, rosés, and even sparkling wines made in a traditional method, others in an ancestral method. There are pet nats and paquettes. There's canned wine, Madeira, and port-style wines, too. Vintage variation is a significant challenge in Texas. The weather is erratic, and floods, droughts, hail events, and freezes are not uncommon. Many people think that 2017 was the best vintage in Texas wine history. Two of the most significant cold weather events have happened in the last couple of years, and Texas vineyards are still recovering from a Halloween freeze in 2019 on the Texas High Plains, and the February 2021 winter storm Uri that froze out much of the state. Most people agree that Texas wine has improved significantly in the past decade. Texas growers have focused in on the right grape varieties for the right vineyards for our Texas climate. There's a lot of winemaking talent in this state, some homegrown and some transplanted from other parts of the world. Professionalism has become the new norm in Texas. Some winemakers in Texas utilize the latest cutting-edge technology to maximize extraction through flash detente and optimize grape quality through optical sorting. Others adopt a zero-zero, non-interventionalist approach. There's not just one right way to do things around here, and experimentation is encouraged. Wine labeling in Texas has been an evolving story. Until 2022, Like 46 other states, Texas wine was only required to have 75% Texas fruit in it. Effective with the 2022 harvest, Texas wines that have a vineyard designation, an AVA designation, or a county designation must be made from 100% Texas grapes. If a wine is labeled simply with a Texas designation, the wines could still have up to 25% grapes from anywhere. There are just a few large wineries in the state with production over 100,000 cases, 
Becker and Yano Estacado are two of the biggest. These are still quite modest by California standards, though. Most of the wine produced in Texas stays in Texas. Although there are some wines that are available in wider distribution, many are not. Most wineries ship out of the state where allowed by state law. Texans drank just over 64.3 million gallons of wine in 2020 and produced 4.2 million gallons of Texas wine when the last survey was done in 2018. So we are well short of producing the amount of wine that we need to meet the demands of our own state. For now, we will have to keep drinking non-Texas wine. As far as tourism goes, Texas wineries have always been serious about showing guests a great time. In the past 15 years or so, many Texas wineries have also gotten as serious about premium wine as they are about hospitality. The Texas Hill Country is the top wine destination in the state and one of the top destinations in the country. It's home to over 100 wineries and vineyards. Texas wineries are entering well-regarded wine competitions and their wines are winning. Sommeliers are taking an interest in Texas wine and more wines are entering distribution outside the state. Texas restaurants are finally coming around, adding Texas wine options to wine lists. Wine is big business in Texas, responsible for over 100,000 jobs, and the industry has a $13.1 billion economic impact as of 2017. Texas needs more acres under vine to supply the increasing number of new wineries in the state. University programs are training grape growers and winemakers and improving vineyard and winery practices as well. Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and Grayson College are three of the best viticulture and enology programs in the state. Texas is an exciting wine region with a pioneering spirit, and the wine just keeps getting better and better. Please see the show notes for selected references. I did it. That was nine minutes, 40 seconds. If you're finding this podcast valuable, I hope that you'll share it with a friend and share it on social media. You can follow me at Texas Wine Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Be sure and share and comment when you see a post. And finally, if you would like to sign up for the very occasional podcast newsletter, where I share a few behind-the-scenes thoughts, photos, events, and so forth, be sure and visit thisistexaswine.com, then click Newsletter Sign Up. Get in touch. You can email me at texaswinepod at gmail.com and share your comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes. I always love to hear from podcast listeners. Thanks to Texas Wine Lover website for promotional assistance. Visit txwinelover.com to help plan your next winery visit. I'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode. Cheers, y'all.